Welcome to the Geek Cheek Podcast, where BJ is no longer patient zero. I'm Void. I'm here with my co-host, Beej. I'm not Typhoid Mary now. Hopefully, yeah. Today, we are not talking about anything along those lines. We're actually talking about The Watchmen. Um, I didn't tie in the intro to the rest of the show. Sometimes that happens. But The Watchmen TV show came out not very long ago. This was, like, huge right at the end of last year. Um, like, and- I don't actually know when it came out. That That's the weird thing. Like, I know people were talking about it, and I just kind of lost track of when it was actually on the air. And then you started talking about it a few weeks ago and made me watch it. But it was like, I don't actually know when this aired, like, came out new. I think it wrapped up. I think it was, like, a once-a-week release because it was HBO. And I want right. to say it wrapped up right before the holidays sometime like early to mid-december so i watched it right after everybody was super hyped about the finale i watched it like two or three weeks later when i was actually like on my break for winter when i got away from work for a few weeks so that's when i binged the whole thing and that's kind of what i ended up doing like i didn't binge it it was an every night an episode or two uh that i started watching it with jennifer it was actually a palate cleanser from uh lois and clark that i got her the lois and clark dvds and we've been watching those uh like the four seasons of those from the 90s and they're really really good but it's like they're they're really campy and you know what they're getting into so it's like we when we wanted something that wasn't campy and silly it was Watchmen. so it was something very very serious to go on the other side of that <laughs> so we want to talk about this show but also we thought we should probably touch on all of the other watchman stuff um even though we i feel like we don't have a whole deep dive there but the show is where we spent a lot of our time and I, you know i watched the show and it like it hooked me and we'll get into that but then because of it i went and i read the graphic novel which i've literally never done but you've done multiple times right yeah, I've done it multiple times. I have it sitting in the other room. Jennifer actually had a copy in her office at work, and I was going to read it before this, and my uh, I got sick, and everything kind of stopped working in my body, and I just kind of sat there and uh, moaned for a while and coughed. But uh, it's something I've read a lot, and I've always loved it, but it's never been one of those that I just think of when I think to recommend it to people, because it's so specific. Like, I have to be in such a certain mood to read or watch apparently now watch Watchmen that uh, it's not something that when people are like oh I want to read some comics which ones do I need to start with it's never Watchmen there are there are too many issues and issues with it being a comic book Uh, there are too many issues with the way it's put together I think for me to like fully like recommend it as like a an intro to comics even though it's something I think everybody should read yeah it was I don't even know how to describe it but I okay I'll put it this way the Watchmen graphic novel, I've seen it before, and I've picked it up before, and I've never got more than the first issue into it. I, I've barely okay. gotten a, a couple pages into it. And this time, I would not have finished it if I hadn't already watched the show. And it's because the TV show is a continuation from the comic. And so the comic acts as a prequel to the show. And I liked the show so much that I wanted to go back and get the backstory. I wanted to get the prequel part of it. So... If I didn't have the show to inspire me, I definitely would have bounced off the the graphic novel again, like without a doubt. And that's so strange to me because part of what I saw in the show immediately, and it may be why I liked the show sooner than you did as well, because immediately as in episode one, I was hooked in. That I was like, this is exactly the kind of show that I'm wanting. I see what they're doing here. You know, let's let's see how this all plays out. And you were like two or three episodes in where you said that it's like they they were good, but you didn't exactly know what they were going for with it. 
And so yeah. for me, I think it's that I knew from the comics what the world was, what they were doing with some of the stuff, the references that they were making in different places. And I was like, okay, that's that's what they're playing with here. This is great. I love this. And, well, and uh, like the the comic is or the graphic novel is of its time. It's from 1980 something, like 1985 ish. And it is so of that era. But this show, like the the show, is so of our era. And that's yes. the thing. Like, I could get over the. There's a lot of problems. There's a lot of issues. There's a lot of stuff that's just like very 1980s for good and for bad. Mostly for bad, in my opinion, in the graphic novel. Um, but I could get over it because I saw what they were doing because I had the context from what they were doing in 2019 when the show came out. Um, okay, what was it that was so 80s that almost that would have made you bounce? Like that was for bad. I'm I'm curious I don't know. on that. I mean, a lot of it was. <sighs> It was just, it was a different pacing and sensibilities, and it was the things that they were tackling no longer apply in the same way. You know, like, we've just moved on as a society. It's been 30 years since the 80s, you know? Like, it's been a while. That that's true. It does have eighties pacing, especially like eighties DC comics have a very specific feel. And Watchmen and Return of the or the Dark Knight Returns, things like that, they definitely have this eighties DC feel. And I hadn't really put that together because for me that's just Watchmen. That's what it is. But you're right, I could totally see how it it feels different. And one thing that I've never liked, and I still don't like in Watchmen, going back and like flipping through it, reading bits and pieces before this i hate the internal narrative with the uh the castaway and the way that they do the parallel narrative with uh i can't remember his name now but the uh the shipwreck and everything like that yeah yeah i hate it i hate it it ruins everything for me like i know why more did it i know why they published it i know narratively what they're doing and why it's a good thing but every single time I open it up, I end up just either skimming or over or skipping those entirely because it detracts so much from the actual story being told to me. And I'm really glad that the TV show didn't so much have something like that. They kind of treated uh, some of the they kind of treated the the um, I don't want to do it with it with spoilers right now. Um, they treated a certain subplot like that for the first half of the season and it worked in a way that was parallel to the rest of it and instead of having an actual secondary narrative that i didn't like yeah i i completely agree with that and you know the other thing that we should mention with the graphic novel is that there's the movie out there too the Zack snyder movie and i've only seen it once um you've seen it more than that right Yeah, I actually really like the movie. Like, I know that there's a lot of hate out there for Zack Snyder, and I know there's a lot of hate out there for the Watchmen movie. Um, But I have the director's cut of it that they did. It's it's actually a little too long. I like what they did with the extra stuff, but it's still it is a little too long. Um, But I like what they did, and I think he he was the director that needed to do that movie, in my opinion, because he got the way that it looked and felt right to me. There were a lot of choices that could have been done differently and better but i think that he he at the time that movie was made was the one to make that movie and uh, i don't think it's definitely it's again a product of its time for when uh, that movie came out 
But I think Zack Snyder did a good job with it, uh, given, you know, as an artifact of its time. And I actually liked the ending. Um, Like, they changed the ending and uh, got rid of the giant space squid, that the giant alien interdimensional space squid. And uh, I thought that it worked for the movie. I'm glad they brought it back and tied the TV show to being a sequel to the actual graphic novel rather than to the movie, but and brought back the squid and the idea of all of the stuff that, that came with it being so weird. But given the stylization of the movie, given the the way that people approached comic book movies at the time when it was made in the early aughts, I don't think that having a giant interdimensional squid transported into New York and psychically killing people would have gone over terribly well with audiences. I think they would have been like, what the heck is this? Because it still feels funny in the comic. When it happens, you're like, what? Well, what? What? And uh, I don't think that would have worked at all for audiences then. Yeah, and I came at Watchmen really kind of a weird path. Like, I saw the movie. That was my first experience with it okay. in the early 2000s. And then I tried the graphic novel, got no more than two, three pages into it, gave up. And then I didn't do anything until I watched the show a couple weeks ago. And then after the show, I went and read the graphic novel. So it, reading the graphic novel, it was interesting because I was like, oh, I know all of this because I've seen the movie, except for the very end. Like they changed the the ending of it, but the rest of it was actually pretty close, which was kind of yeah. interesting. It was interesting, and that's why I like Snyder for that one, is that he kept it, not even that it was a... a just the way he did the adaptation, I liked his cinematography in it because it felt like the Watchmen comic book because of the way that he framed scenes and had the action flow, the way that he would cut shots, that it didn't feel as much like a a movie as it did a comic book movie. And uh, not like in the Marvel MCU comic book movies. It was just like it was shot like a comic book, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does. So... I think that kind of gets us back around to the show, which is the thing that hooked us and why we wanted to have this episode in the first place. So the Watchmen TV show, season one, technically, but they said that they're not going to make another season unless they have another story that they really feel like telling. So I'm so happy about that. Me too. What do you think about that? Do you like that? No, that's great. I mean, um, if the same creative team has an idea and they want to tell it in that universe, I will go watch it. If they don't feel like they have the right idea... I'm happy to let them spend five or 10 years thinking about it because I wouldn't want to just make another season just to make it. And this feels self-contained and really good the way that it is. And it ends in a satisfying way that it's like, yes, yes that was a, that was a this was a story that was told that could continue that there is a world before and after this. But this was the story that was being told. And I love stories like that. Like me, too. Yeah, I was so happy they did that. And so the whole thing is it's framed in an alternate reality, basically modern day. So it was like, uh, you know, 2019, because that's when the show is coming out. And it's all about, I don't want to say it's all about, a lot of it is framed through race relations. And right. kind of the backstory around it is the Tulsa Massacre, which is also known as the Tulsa Race Riots from 1921. 
And that's a real thing that happened, like, in real life. So, And I didn't know this. When we started this, like, I see all of this stuff going on. They're showing the race riots in the first episode. And Jennifer is sitting on the couch like, oh, wow, they pulled from this. They're they're doing great. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, that was a part of history that I have never heard about, like, in anything I've ever done, that apparently she's talked, she's uh, done enough uh, with, like, race relations and uh, different programs and things like that, like, covered up historical events and things at the library that she's seen that one is one that people have talked about as being really covered up and not talked about because it's so embarrassing and like it's so so terrible on what happened and that I didn't realize it was a real thing and so when I realized that that was an actual event that had gone on that that these these uh, white people murdered all of the uh, the, the African Americans in the town it was just like oh oh man, this is going to be one of those series and grabbing onto an actual piece of history like that, that legit happened. Like the original one did Vietnam made me really happy from the get go. Once I realized that that was real. Yeah. And grabbing onto it and then jumping ahead to modern day and then kind of in between having the alternate reality of what happened in the Watchmen graphic novel happen in the eighties, essentially of this timeline. It was a really interesting balance between real world and changing just enough to be an alternate world but not so much that it's like crazy sci-fi you know like it's still very grounded and you know tying back to race relations over and over throughout the whole season without beating you over the head with it right like it was very it was done really really well from everything i can tell as a straight white male so i should put that out there (laughs) right like i don't have the same lens to view this that other people of color would but i still like i'm so glad that it was made the way that it was and it seems like they did a really really good job with it and it feels like like you saying that you know straight white male looking at this from from obviously a very uh very different perspective that than people of color but it it feels like i understood it better than i do a lot of things that handle race relations like they framed this in a way that i could see it personally a lot easier than a lot of pieces of fiction and i think the creative team nailed it on that so that you could see this kind of uh, jennifer and i joke with one of our friends about uh where she's really really uh up on like in uh, um in shared inherited trauma and that's really what this show is about is that kind of inherited shared trauma that we have and it's like i felt that with this tv show and uh, it was like man this is this is heavy stuff that it's dealing with but it's just so entertaining well it was mm, <laughs> yes i mean it was heavy i don't know if entertaining is the word i would use for it it was compelling like i was definitely engaging through i was engaged yeah um and there were all of these other things throughout it that touch on sci-fi and superhero stuff that i love right like right there's this rich back history like backstory of all of these heroes and what happened before and tying into other things that had preceded it but then there's also like some really cool flashback episodes and doing interesting things with time and the experience of time um there was so th- there's a couple episodes that I kind of wanted to highlight now that we've you know, that was kind of the premise and it's dealing with the fallout of the 80s and also the fallout of the Tulsa race riots and anything beyond that definitely gets into spoiler territory. But um, there's two episodes I think I can talk about without doing major spoilers that I really, really liked. So one right. was a flashback episode and it's a flashback of 
one of the major characters in this season but also one of the like original superheroes that kind of kicked off some of the alternate reality stuff that's going on in the universe of the Watchmen. And I was floored by how they handled that episode and the way that they twisted it around on itself so that it fit within the graphic novel in a way that like was totally unexpected. Completely unexpected. I I was blown away by that episode that when they they did this kind of flashback origin story, it was really, really like in the middle of one of the most tense parts of the season where they make you stop and then move you forward with this new information where everything that you're watching has changed. And they did it so well to be able to explain just how this one person changed the entire history of the world. Basically. And it's done, like you said, it's done through a perspective of one of the other characters has taken this drug called, oh, what was it called? Nostalgia. Nostalgia. And nostalgia basically has the other person's memories in it. So it takes one of the main characters of the season and throws them way back in time so that they are re-experiencing these things that is somebody else's memory. And like you said, it completely recontextualizes the rest of the season. Everything you've seen up to this point has just shifted a little bit. And then everything after that, you're like, oh, now I explain the reasons why all of this stuff shifted. And it's just a compelling story on its own. There was only one part of all of that that really stuck out to me as being there was only one part of this story that really stuck me as being shoehorned in that it didn't make sense why it was there narratively and it was his relationship with the other man uh with the other superhero like there was never any kind of explanation of his uh of their like emotional relationship of why this was happening and why it made why they were pointing out such certain uh sexual things that uh they were talking about and showing it's like why is that there like it didn't contextualize within that character to me yeah i can see that and i mean you know if it hasn't been obvious by now this is definitely like a mature show like it's not it's not for kids not even remotely but even beyond that right we're talking about like it's race relations there's violence in it there's sex there's there's all sorts of things that are just like mature themes and topics and and stuff you know it deals with mental illness and addiction in some ways and it's all sorts of things but they're all handled with you know kind of the gravitas that you would hope that they are because it's such a grounded show and you know it it ties it all together i I guess before i talk about how it ties it all together because that's really what blew me away but there was this other episode that was probably my favorite episode of the entire season was it really yeah and it's the one with dr manhattan where um dr manhattan is kind of he's like a godlike being he's not exactly he's not all powerful but it really like that episode explains how he doesn't see the future and the past he is always experiencing every moment currently simultaneously right and it's a hard concept to get your head around but that episode really like helped me get my head around it and as soon as i did i was like wow that is such an interesting twist on that character that i never truly understood before i saw that episode and And they can do it in the comics like they they do it in different panels, like one panel to the next panel to the next panel. I'm 
It's 1985, it's 1968, it's 1945, and they do this in present tense and go from one panel to the next or a series of panels to the next, and you get it, right? Like, you're reading that, it's like, okay, I see what's going on. He's going from one to the other to the other. But in the show, they're finally able, like you said, to let you wrap your mind around it, that it's not in sequence, that it's simultaneous, that you don't really feel that in the comic just because of the nature of the medium, you can't. And in the TV show, they're able to make it make you realize right now these are all happening. Everything is happening all at once. And that time isn't a time is a fixed point in space rather than time being a a timeline or anything like that. Yeah. So that was my favorite episode by far because it twisted my brain in all of the ways that I love to have my brain twisted when it comes to time travel or questions of experiencing time in different ways and like all of that like the dimensionality and oh man i loved it i love that episode but the thing that like blew me away was just going in all of these different directions right so we've talked about like race relations there's this whole superhero backstory from the 1980s and then even before that a first wave superhero story there's this giant squid that happens at the end of the graphic novel that comes up you know there's this flashback episode that recontextualizes everything um there's dr manhattan experiencing everything all the time and then they come to like episode eight or nine ish and they start pulling it all together and they stick Mm -hmm. the landing and i was just when i was episode like seven i was like how are they gonna pull all this together like how they they must have somewhere they're going with it and i just could not see how they were gonna stick the landing and not fumble it but they absolutely did I was afraid that they were, well, I shouldn't say afraid. I figured they were going into season two, given how much they were pulling together. That when it got to like episode seven or eight like that, I'm like, yeah, it's this is definitely going into season two. I can't wait to see how all of this turns out. And then you see how it all turns out, like, but it wasn't rushed. It never got to the point where they were condensing things, like condensing season two into the last two episodes. It's just that they had this story and they told this story. And it was like, we just weren't aware of how it was going to be coming together, but it came together right. Oh, it absolutely did. So I just, I don't know. I thought that the show was amazingly done. I don't want to say like that I loved it or that it was fantastic or amazing because it feels wrong to just be like oh that was entertaining it's like you're right it it made me think and it made me i don't know i don't know there's something beyond that too right it made me try to more i guess okay maybe this is it i'm trying to figure it out as i'm talking which is not the best way to podcast but we're rolling with it it almost um compared to other media and other mediums and other shows and movies and stuff i've watched it really tried to make me see other perspectives in a way that few pieces of media do and it did that so well that i have to applaud it for that yeah that is about the perfect way of putting it because there's not a lot that can both make you think about like the the concepts of it, the high concept part of the TV show or the 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 narrative like the Dr. Manhattan episode that can also pull you in and make you see the personal part from a different perspective as well and i think that anyone who cares about and i don't want to say social commentary because that's overdone Anyone who cares about narrative and fiction that has something to say, 
then you should watch this because this TV show has something to say. It's not political. It's not something along those lines. It's not an agenda, but it definitely has a point of view and you see that point of view. Yes, absolutely. I think that's probably a good point to jump off, but I would I would definitely double down on your recommendation. Like if you fall yeah. in any camp that we've talked about here, if any of the stuff we've mentioned about the show interests you, I 100% like recommend it. Like it was just, it was so well done. And it turns out that it's on HBO, like we had said. So we ended up having HBO by accident that Jennifer uh, had... Um, the had signed up for it by accident for something at the library and so she was like oh yeah i have uh hbo let me just sign into amazon prime so the uh so the we just logged in and watched it but you also have free trials and stuff it's a nine episode series so y'all can watch it for free on amazon prime if you've never done an hbo trial yes you can absolutely um okay before we do weekly geekery um don't forget there's all sorts of stuff that you guys can help us with or find us at or all these things. Um, Patreon is the main way to support the podcast. We would really appreciate y'all going to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast supporting the show, tossing a couple of dollars our way. All of the money goes to supporting the show, the web hosting, all of that stuff. We have different tiers that you can choose from. We even have uh, the ability for you to buy your own ad space on here if you would like to get to our entire audience. So if you would like to advertise and be an official sponsor of the Geek to Geek podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash geek to geekcast. You can. And we have a whole network out there. Um, you guys can go to geek2geekmedia.com for everything, or you can go to geek2geekmedia.com slash subscribe and get it sent to you. But we have stuff like podcasts, we have the blog, we have writing, we have streamers, we have a little bit of everything out there, which is fantastic. Like I just love seeing it grow and grow over time. So yeah. With all that being said, it's time for Weekly Geekery, where we share what we've been geeking out about this week. I actually have no idea what you've been up to, which is strange, but you've been sick, so I've been leaving you alone. So what have you been doing? Um, well, I've been doing a few things this week. Like last night, so so the Super Bowl was this weekend, and I didn't care. And I heard all of the stuff about the halftime show, and so Jennifer and I went and watched the halftime show, and we actually really, really enjoyed it. And so because it was Jennifer Lopez, Jennifer had been wanting to see Hustlers in the theater, her uh, newest movie, and so we went and actually bought it on Amazon because it was like $4 more than renting it, and it was fantastic. It was a great movie. It is definitely not a kid's movie. I mean, it's rated R, but it is about exotic dancers who figure out how to fleece Wall Street uh, people who come into their club. And it is great. Like, it is hilarious and it is meaningful. And I just love Constance Wu. Uh the main character in Crazy Rich Asians, uh, like she is great, and she's the main character in this, along with Jennifer Lopez. It's wonderful. So y'all should definitely check it out. Um, you know, you had been recommending the Fox in the Forest that uh, trick taking card game that you got. Yeah, it's finally really good. bought it. I've got it for Jennifer for her uh, birthday, and we finally got around to uh, playing it and learning it, and we've been playing it just about every night, uh, every other night, to have something uh, just really quick that we can do, and we've been having a lot of fun with it, that uh, it was really quick to pick up, and uh, it took us about three games to really like figure out how we needed to play it, but now we've had a really, really, really fantastic time playing it, and uh, now I understand what you meant by trick-taking card games, like, I have no idea what you're doing but it's uh it's very simple and easy and what i think i like about it uh over some of the other like big board games and stuff that we've done like patchwork uh is that you don't have any setup and you don't need a lot of space for it because it's just a very simple card game and it's just super fun to play 
Yeah, it plays we, really quick and it's really good. I'm glad that you guys liked it. I liked it a lot, so I wanted to thank you for that one. And sure. so I, because of that, I bought Arboretum, and we have not played it yet. Um, I know that someone, I'm actually going to click in right now while we're talking on Discord, actually had mentioned that they had picked up Arboretum. Uh, it was Alpha Wing on Discord had said that they picked up the Arboretum game uh, and couldn't really get into it, and that they were confused about the point system and gave up. Um, and so it was... Uh, trying to and they were trying to remember another board game that you had recommended it had towers and a dragon in the center so i wanted to ask you uh, if you could explain the point system at all or if, if you could remember what that uh board game was that you had recommended because i don't remember the name of it either board game oh man i don't know it might have been clank clank is the dragon's not in the middle but you have to like work your way down and it's almost a press your luck game you have to like go get a treasure and then escape before you okay. get killed and it's like a race against time against the other players and who can push their luck to get the best treasure maybe that one but maybe not i don't know that's kind of a vague description um the points in arboretum it i'm not gonna be able to explain it over just audio but basically the key thing to get your head around is that the thing that really matters is who has enough of that tree in your hand at the end of the game to actually be able to score it. And once you get your head around that, a lot of the rest of it clicks into place because you could have a beautiful arboretum with all these paths, but if you don't have any of that tree card in your hand at the end of the game, you're not allowed to get any points off of it, so there was no point in making it. So, yeah, definitely if you can try to get your head around the scoring of Arboretum before you start playing Arboretum, it's actually really important. Whereas a lot of other games, you can kind of not care about the scoring and just play it. Um, Arboretum, the way that it's scored, makes the game interesting. Like, that's really what makes the game. Okay, cool. I don't know what any of that means yet, but hopefully Alpha Wing, that has helped a little bit. Maybe. Um, but yeah, so I'll eventually get to uh, to playing it and then, you know, board games and stuff like that. I've been going to game nights the last few weeks like there was I did find a local gaming group that meets up every week. And so the last few weeks I've been going and it's been a lot of fun. Like I'm I'm actually really connecting with the people. I like them. I really could see myself being uh, like really good friends with some of them. And it's like we've been playing like just one is this really cool party game where it's it's just you have a card some you blindly pick a number and then everyone around you writes down one word so that you can pick it and then uh if any of them have written down the same word like you that one gets knocked out and you never get to know what it is so you might have like instead of four words you might have one if three people wrote down the same word and uh then you have one word guess that you can make to get it and it is hilarious like we were all just cackling like i can't remember the last time i was cackling that hard at a, at a like a party or board game like it is it was just hilarious it was called just one um we were playing Century Spice Road, which is really cool. It's one of those. I didn't know what an engine game was beforehand. Have you played any of those or seen those? Like a Euro game, yeah, yeah. And I'd never, I'd never played those before, but I really liked this one. Once all of it gets going and everyone's like changing all the currencies out and doing this stuff with like the cumin and all that, <laughs> like that was super fun. Like I'd never played anything like that. Uh, that you, was just my, you my introduction spend an to hour it. And just go Google worker placement game and then. Google Euro game and you will find about a million of those. I'm glad that you found it. I'm glad that you like it and that you're coming yeah. around to it. But just for context, 
there are so many games like that where you build your own engine and there's so many spins on it that if oh, you yeah. like this one, there's a world of games out there for you. That's really cool. I'll have to look into that because that's the kind of game that Jennifer doesn't like. So it's not something that like I've ever really uh, gotten into much before. Like, And I don't think I've ever had the chance to play one of any of my other friends' houses either. So it was like, that's really cool. I like that. And then we also played uh, Codenames Duet, which is uh, just a little fun. It's kind of like Battleships, but with, uh, again, like giving word clues and uh, uh, kind of being on teams and picking out how you can both help and trick the people around you. Like, it was really cool. Yeah, so Code like, Games is huge these days. Like, that one is really taken off. That's one of those games that you can just find at Target now because it's so big. Um, yeah. I haven't played Duet, but actually, have I played Code Names? I might have just watched it a bunch of times because I've seen it. I don't think I've actually played it, but I've only and ever I've, heard good things about Code Names. Yeah, Jennifer had played the original Code Names at a game night at the library that she did. She came home telling me about how much fun it was. And so uh, one of the one of the game night members brought Code Names Duet in there, and it was like a two player one. And but you can also do it with teams across from each other instead of just two people. So it was really cool. Like it was a, a different take where it was technically a co op game that you're trying to beat the game at instead of trying to beat the other person. It cool. was really cool. That's awesome. And then Austin got me to start watching Shrill uh, on Hulu, which is really good. The A.D. Bryant show. It is uh, because she was a, a writer at an Internet startup. And it is one of the reasons like uh, he's been really excited lately to get more like trying to get uh, more stuff written for the Geek to Geek blogs and stuff like that. Because uh, he watched A.D. Bryant doing it and loving it so much on Shrill. And uh, I did the same thing. It's, so I started watching it. And I've really enjoyed it. It's uh, it's one of those kind of indie dramedies where it's not for everyone, where it's kind of sad and serious but also like kind of uh melancholically funny but i really liked it so i don't know if you would or not i'd like to you to watch like an episode or two of it and see if you uh you actually liked it huh okay i'll add it to the list to check out at some point yeah i'm just curious on uh, yeah because i'm curious on whether or not you would because i really like it but it's right up that kind of uh like indie dramedy that i love so much where it doesn't necessarily make you feel good but it doesn't make you feel bad it's just like wow man Huh, in, in the weirdest way, melancholy. So and, and ennui. So it's like, huh, okay. I just want to know what you think about it. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Um, I've been doing stuff. I've been doing a bunch. So I, I kind of mentioned this last episode when I was solo and you were sick. But I've been trying to, you know, to almost take a step back from like how fast I'm churning through stuff. And okay. so I have a ton of geekery that I've been doing, but usually if i talk about it on the podcast and give an impression that almost is like my end point with something and then i'm kind of done with it and i don't go back to it so i'm trying to be more cognizant of that this year and like wait until like give myself more time to experience things before i bring them up and talk them through because i know that mentally i kind of like check it off as done after we talk about it on the podcast Mm, yeah i do that too you're absolutely right so if it seems like i have less geekery this year that's gonna be why um just because i'm trying to take a little bit more time with each thing and yeah we'll see how that goes um i know we're gonna do a whole episode probably kind of about yearly themes and about like reworking stuff like that because i've been talking to you about it i'm just trying to figure out the framing for that episode but i promise it's coming sometime in the next month or two probably okay so wiki geekery i i read a couple books i've been trying to read a lot more you know i read like six books five books total last year and so far year to date i've read seven so nice um, 
Yeah, in January alone, I outdid everything that I did in 2019, which is sad for last year, but good for this year. Um, so two of the ones that I read, I read Dead Moon by Peter Kleins, and it was okay. Um, I've read a couple of his things, and he's kind of hit and miss with me. Um, this one was like Space Zombies on the Moon, and for being Space Zombies on the Moon, it was pretty good, but it was also still just kind of Space Zombies on the Moon, <laughs> if that makes sense at all. Yeah, but that's that's okay, because Space Zombies on the Moon, man. Yeah, so if you're into Space Zombies on the Moon, um, Dead Moon is pretty decent by Peter Kleins. Um, you could go find something much worse. Um, the one book that I really did like a lot was Starsight, um, which is Brandon Sanderson. It's the middle right. book in whatever that trilogy is called. I think it's yep. a trilogy. might be a longer I series. I think that's what it is, but I don't know. Yeah, um, it was really good, but it was a middle book. So I immediately wanted the next one. Um and I still, I would recommend the first one, which, uh, what's it called? Star? Oh, Word? no. Upward? Take flight. Four, star. None of these is correct. You're going to Google nope. it for me. Yep, I'm doing it right now. Let's see, that one's called Starsight. Uh, let's see. Skyward. 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 There we go. Yep, that's the one. Uh, Skyward. So if you guys are interested, <laughs> Skyward is a good book. I, I totally is. got that wrong. Um, and then the other thing I wanted to mention was this YouTube series called VX artist or vfx artists react to great and bad cg maybe it's bad hmm. and great cg i always forget which way around it is um but people write in and they're they're like please analyze this clip or look at this movie or watch this scene and it's a bunch of guys that professionally do vfx and that's what they do all day every day and so right. they made this into uh, a youtube series basically and i love every single one of them it's so good because if it's like super high-end cg that we all consider to be fantastic, um, they will nitpick it and they will tell you all the reasons that it is working and all of the little things that they would do differently that would make it work better. Or like, huh. where were the limits of the technology at the time? Or, you know, stuff like that. But then the flip side is, if it's really horrible CG, they'll do the same thing. So they will dive in and they'll be like, why is this working or why is this not working or what are the easy things you could do even with no budget to make this feel better or read better or hmm. like that it would be more believable you know um and you can tell that whether it's like lord of the rings the most expensive effects you could pay for at the time or like the lowest budget film they love it and they're putting their all into it and so i just love that whole series um so it's by corridor crew and okay corridor digital has a whole separate channel that does other stuff too but the corridor crew channel is the one that i like because it has stuff like this and it has uh stuntmen react which is the same idea but for stuntmen like professional stuntmen in hollywood right um both of those are fantastic series that i just i love them and i've always liked shows like that that sounds really interesting to me because i've listened to or i've seen a lot of the like uh like dialect teacher accent teacher reacts to uh to different movie accents and things like that like like dialect coach and i love watching stuff like that surgeons reacting to surgery scenes in different tvs and movie shows that that doesn't that doesn't that's not a thing tvs and movie shows um yep and uh then uh, stuff like that i love so would this one would the vfx artist one make sense to someone who doesn't have a base in uh, video production like you do yeah you don't need any base at all that's why okay. it's so good it's perfect yeah, that's why I was wondering, because some of the stuff, like, they're talking about why it would work. I'm like, do I even have the base to understand why this would work? Yeah, you basically, you'd need no prior knowledge. You can just go watch them. Okay, cool. I'm going to have to look that one up. Yeah, they're really, really good. So, like I said, I have other 
geekery, but I'm going to kind of let it build up this year and try to see when it feels right to pick and choose from things instead of just saying everything I've been doing every single week. So we'll see how long I stick with that. Uh, we'll all <laughs> discover that together. That's probably it for this week. Uh, you guys can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have some great discussions on Slack, Discord, and Reddit. You can go to geek2geekmedia.com for invite links. And while you're there, make sure to check out all the other content on the network. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grnmushroom. That's green mushroom without the E's on Twitter. I'm also on the Disney Forever podcast, where we watch and react to different Disney movie every week. I'm on Twitter as at Professor Beege. That's Beege with two E's. And you can listen to me even more on the Dragon Quest FM podcast, where we talk about the Dragon Quest series of RPGs. <laughs> Fittingly enough. Uh, we've been Void Beege with your Geek to Geek podcast. I'll do it for this week. See you next week, geeks. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Bye.